Welcome to episode 192 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody. I want to take a minute to tell you about one of our sponsors, Prep Dish. Prep Dish is changing the way thousands of families do mealtime. Here's how it works. Prep Dish thoughtfully crafts a week's worth of gluten-free and paleo meals that feature seasonal ingredients to make the most of your budget, save you time, and surprise your taste buds. You may be thinking, but we aren't gluten-free or paleo. Well, when I have used Prep Dish, my family didn't even notice that the meals were gluten-free because they are based on real food ingredients and the meals were delicious. There's also a keto plan if that's what you're looking for. When you join Prep Dish, along with the weekly menu, you'll get a printable grocery list and instructions for Prep Day. Just two hours of preparation yields scrumptious, good-for-you dishes all week long. You shop once, prep once. When you join, not only do you have access to this week's menu, but you can choose from past week menus. The dilemma of what's for dinner is solved forever. Go to prepdish.com slash ifpodcast for your free trial. Yep, it's totally free. And once you see how easy it makes your life, you won't know what you did without it. That's prepdish.com slash ifpodcast. And one more thing before we jump in. Are you looking for the perfect gifts this holiday season for yourself and others? Well, the average male uses six skincare products per day. The average female uses 12. And as it turns out, conventional skincare and makeup is full of toxins, We're talking things like endocrine disruptors, obesogens, meaning they literally cause your body to store and gain weight, and even carcinogens linked to cancer. So while you may be fasting clean, you may be putting compounds directly into your body during the fast that can be affecting both your health and weight loss. Thankfully, there's an easy solution. There's a company called Beauty Counter, and they make an array of skincare and makeup products that are extensively tested to be safe for your skin. You can feel good about all of the ingredients that you put on. Their products are even tested multiple times for heavy metals. And for the holiday season, Beauty Counter has so many amazing gift sets. These are bundled products at a discount and they make incredible gifts. Think about it. You can get the products for yourself or for your friends and family and help clean up their skincare all in disguise of gift giving. Works pretty well. You can shop with us at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. And if you use that link, something really special and magical might happen after you place your first order. If you're trying to figure out exactly which products to get, check out my beauty counter quiz. That's at melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter quiz. And for the latest discounts and giveaways from me, definitely get on my clean beauty email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash clean beauty. All right, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 192 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing great, sitting here with my mug of hot water. Awesome. Drinking it. My MT. Oh, right. MT. (laughs) (laughs) The best kind of tea. Wait, what's the M? Well, like, you know the word empty. There's nothing there. It's empty. It's just hot water. Somebody in one of my Facebook groups invented that word for hot water in a mug. And I can't remember the name of the person who did it, but I love it. What does the M stand for? Like, I know it's like M. Oh, I thought it was like M-T, like 
Well, it's like tea. Okay, it's like tea, but it's not tea. It's just hot water. It's empty. It'd be perfect if like WT meant empty because then it would be water tea. Are you following? You know, like if I'm saying if the M stood for something related to water. Well, we spell it E-M capital T-E-A. Yeah. M, was her name Emily who founded it? No, but it's like empty. The, it's a play on words. Okay. I know it's a play on words. I'm trying to make both sides of it like work, you know? Well, it's just a play on words. It's empty. Empty. I can talk about words for like hours, so. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm enjoying my empty. It's delicious. How was your Thanksgiving? It was nice. We had a small family gathering. We all stayed safe. <laughs> yep. And it was delicious. And here's what's so surprising. I'm using my Shapa scale and I fully expected, you know, I've noticed that the Shapa age goes up as your weight fluctuates upward, you know, whatever. But I was expecting the day after Thanksgiving that my age would have fluctuated upward and it didn't. And so then yesterday, the day after the day after thank wait no yesterday was the day after thanksgiving i still ate two meals of thanksgiving food cuz we had all these leftovers so this morning i was like surely my weight will fluctuate up no i'm still 23 on my shape of app isn't that crazy are you getting a shape of age have you seen it i am and i'm not very happy with it it says that i am my age how does it determine the age i don't know <laughs> I've got a formula of some sort. It might have something to do with my, I'm just guessing. Remember how we filled out a survey or we answered a survey when we got the app? Like, when did you feel your best? Or what weight were you when you felt good? Stuff, something like that. I have a feeling it has something to do with that or like what age did you feel your best? I'm not really sure. But I know we answered a bunch of questions at the beginning and I bet it used some of that information. I Facebooked you. I was so excited. I finally got my color and I'm suspicious because I as well, so Teal is losing weight, right? A little bit, yeah. I was convinced that after Thanksgiving, I still did one meal a day, but I ate a lot of the Thanksgiving food and I was like, it's going to tell me I'm like gaining weight or something, but it still says I'm losing weight. And I'm like, is this right? Well, remember it, it lags behind your, your overall trend. You know, even if your weight fluctuated up three pounds the day after Thanksgiving, it's still going to show teal if your overall average for the past 10 days. It only goes by that. So it looks at the last 10 days and what that average is compared to the previous average of the 10 days before that, something like that. So it's like turning a battleship. Your, your shape of color is not going to change a lot quickly. But, and I'm not surprised my color has been blue because I had that gray after going to the beach, you know, a couple times. My overall trend started to go up. And then, you know, I just kept doing what I normally do. And so it's blue now because of the gray before. So that's like me fluctuating within, you know, so I'm not like losing beyond my, if that makes sense. My blue now is because it was gray before. But the thing that surprised me is that my shape of age didn't fluctuate upward. So yeah, it says my shape of age is exactly my age. Oh, and for listeners, I know they probably are familiar, but basically this is a scale that instead of showing your weight, shows your shows you a color. And I actually put a page on my website. Finally, I figured out how to make pages with things on them, like, you know, always like you always have been doing. So I finally made jenstevens.com slash shapa. A redirect. <laughs> Good job. It's not a redirect. Weebly doesn't redirect. They don't let you redirect. But I figured out how to make a page and then I can put information on it. Like if you go to, it's not a redirect. If you go to jenstevens.com slash Shapa, it has everything about Shapa plus a link to Shapa. But see, before I couldn't figure out how to do it without making a million pages, but they're all there, but they're not showing up in the navigation. So I finally figured that out. Good job. I know. I'm not like a web designer, but every time I figure out something new, I'm like, woo, I feel so good. <laughs> I know. It's really exciting, especially when it's something pretty useful. Because I do my website myself. You know, me too. It'd be nice to outsource, but it's also really nice to have complete creative control and like, I don't know, being able to do everything. Well, you know, when I did intermittent fasting stories, the website for that, I outsourced that. And so I had it professionally done and they used a different platform. I use Weebly, but they put it on a different platform and I can't figure out how to do anything there. It's completely not set up the way I would do it. And so I've never loved it. And I can't figure out how to change it. Yeah. 
I will say though, I really want to interview the founder of Shapa. So I'm going to. Awesome. And he's brilliant. I'm going to reach out to him. I didn't realize he's a New York Times bestseller. I did know that. Yeah. And he has like TED Talks that have been huge. Yeah. He is like really, he's he's somebody, I mean, he's a, a top mind. He's a professor at Duke University, I believe. Oh, perfect. I love when they're at universities because I can very easily find their contact information. Oh, good. Because <laughs> they always have a professor email. That's how I contacted David Sinclair, Benjamin Bickman. And I feel like when they're professors, they actually read their professor email. So it's very, oh, that's exciting. Being married to a professor, I could vouch for that. <laughs> yes. Actually, Walter Longo. Yep. This is great. That's one I will definitely want to listen to because I just love him. I Because I love Shapa. Shapa is a great product and he's a brilliant man. So definitely get him on there. But, oh, I have one other follow-up. You know, I talked last time that I'm going to be eating according to my Predict 3 study results. And I was going to do it after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Well, they want you to commit to doing it for 28 days. So I was starting to plan it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be ready to start. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going to the beach for, you know, a few days with with a friend. And then I also have Cal and his wife are coming to stay. What am I going to eat? And then we have Christmas. So I was like, nope, (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm going to wait till right after Christmas. Do they care when you do it? No. Okay. They don't care when I do it. I'm going to start it after Christmas because I was just like, I just can't. I have a hard time with any kind of not just eating whatever I want. But I really feel like I have to try it. I have to try it. I can't go through all this and then not try to do what they say to do. Yeah. I'll be really interested to see how it goes. Wonder what my shape will do. <laughs> I will have some data there. So maybe I'll be like 12 years old. <laughs> Guess who I interviewed yesterday? Oh, was it Jason Fung? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am almost done with his book. Cancer code. But that one's coming up. Jason Fung is coming up. It is. Well, then you're just going to have to tell me. Dr. Alan Goldhammer from True North Health Center, the extended fasting. Oh, okay. Yeah. You told me you were going to talk to him. Yeah. For listeners, he was in the Netflix documentary, Unwell, and he's been on a lot of podcasts and he runs the, is it the only extended water fasting like stay in center in the U.S.? At one point, it was the only one. It's the only one that I ever hear people talk about. I would be surprised if it is the only one because, you know, there's lots of things all over the place. It's just the only one that people always talk about. Yeah, it's it's pretty well known for that and very interesting conversation. You know, we get so many questions on this show about extended fasting, but we don't really talk about it that much. We kind of stick to intermittent fasting. So it was really nice to really pick his brain on that topic. And I think the most surprising thing for me was that he basically recommends, so he's a huge fan of daily intermittent fasting, but (laughs) not longer than 16 hours. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So he thinks like a daily up to 16 hour fast. And then if you're doing longer fast, then it's, it's like an extended fast. Like you're doing the, you know, five days or more. So he thinks either 16 or five days. That's so interesting. Yeah, five to 40. (laughs) So either fast for 16 or five days. 16 hours or five to 40 days. (laughs) I think the reasoning was the protective mechanisms and everything that happens with extended fasting is really kicking in later. So, and he did talk about a little bit about like fasting mimicking diet. I don't know. It was really interesting, but he did say he, he really wanted to focus more on extended fasting. So we didn't, we didn't go too deep into intermittent fasting, but it was really motivational. Man, I, I want to do an extended water fast now. I do not. I do not want to do one. <laughs> I can just say it. I mean, there, there might be some health situations that would cause me to rethink that. So I'm not going to say I would never do one, but in the state of health that I am right now, I have no desires to. If When I move back to California, though, I definitely want to check it out because it's in California. So that could be fun. So now I know you've talked before on the podcast about struggling with gaining weight. So I wonder, you're like, technically you're more to the, the lower end of the, of the healthy weight for your body. Is that right? So I wonder, what, what would he say about doing an extended fast in that situation? If you're at the lower end of your, of your weight range. I actually don't know if I'm underweight still. I might be. I should have asked him that. He did say he did say the most benefits 
come with people who are healthy and normal weight and they want to just go to like revitalize their body. And I love that he said that. I mean, obviously a lot of people coming in are coming in to address, you know, obesity, like health issues, diabetes, gut health, many things. But he did say a lot of people come are just normal people. So I didn't, I should have asked him about under being underweight. I do believe that's a contraindication for longer fasts. I'm yeah, I'm sure it is. So yeah, for listeners, well, it's coming out probably way after this airs, but follow the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast because it's going to, it's a really good episode to check out. Like I'll, when it, when it airs, I'll mention it again on this show. So shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. One more announcement before we do our questions. We are nearing episode 200. And if listeners would like to submit questions, we are going to have an ask me anything episode. So you can ask us anything. And by anything, we mean like it doesn't have to be fasting related. It can be just whatever you like. Awesome. I'm a little scared. No. <laughs> I'm not saying we will answer, but we, you can ask. Exactly. All right. So we've got something from Shelly. The subject is feedback for food sense. She says, hello, I have listened to all the intermittent fasting podcasts, read yours and Jen's books, starting to get into the biohacking podcasts now. I saw your offer for this app this morning and downloaded it right away. I have so many questions. And by the way, she's talking about Melanie's FoodSense app that was developed by Cal Stevens. I'm so proud of him. So for Thanksgiving, I actually, to my email list, friends, get on my email list, melanieavalon.com slash email list. I offered to give it away as my Thanksgiving gift to everybody. And I basically spent all Thanksgiving with the exception of when I wasn't at get togethers, gifting it to people because I did not anticipate how many people would take me up on that offer. But it hit number five in the iTunes store for all food and drinks. I want it to be number one, but I'm watching it. Very cool. All right. So she said, I saw your offer for the app this morning and downloaded it right away. I have so many questions. I have always known I had food sensitivities. I thought it was gluten slash wheat and dairy. I did give those foods up and felt great. Then not so consistent. I feel like all foods bother me. I'm always constipated and bloated. On one of your podcasts, I heard about the Everly Well blood test, ordered it, and took it. Came back as eggs, egg whites, almonds, and cashews as my sensitivities in the 70s. Gluten wasn't much of an issue on the scale. Besides eliminating those items and reducing gluten, I haven't done a good elimination diet. But looking at Melanie's Food Sense Guide app, I'm trying to figure out the best way to use this app and find the foods that truly bother me. For instance, thiols are high in eggs. Is that what I'm sensitive to? I looked at the other foods that are high in that, and I eat a lot of those foods, like coffee. I never even heard of thiols. Should I stop my coveted black coffee? If I could find a good clean tea to have in my window, I guess I could change. I guess my question is, what's the best way to use this app and make lists? Am I on the right track? Start to eliminate or keep a list of foods with thiols or glutamates and how I feel when eating them? I'm excited to maybe figure out how to feel better. As a little more background, I started IF two years ago this week. I lost 28 pounds, gained six back. I want to say some of it is muscle. Since January, I've been doing a cardio strength class two times a week with cardio the other two to three days but I just don't feel as good as I did when I first started IF and not losing a pound anymore, just seeing the scale up. I'm a healthy eater, but getting super frustrated, but this app could be a life changer. Any feedback or advice you have, I would love to hear. Thanks for all the information and support you provide. Love listening to you and Jen every week. Like you guys said last week, we can hear each of you every day of the week, but Tuesday. I love it. I do too. Thank you, Shelly, so much for your question. That actually made me think of one more thing that Dr. Goldhammer said yesterday. He said, hands down, the people who go on the extended fast, they lose a lot of weight, obviously, while fasting. A lot of it's fat. And when they regain it, they pretty much preferentially regain muscle if they're following. He advocates a 
a sugar, oil, salt-free, plant-based diet. And he's very passionate about that. But he did say that the, the weight gain that they see afterwards is typically muscle, which is pretty exciting. But going back to Shelly's question for listeners. So I made the food sense guide app with Jen Sun Cal, who was ridiculously talented and basically created exactly the app I was envisioning. So um, I'm really grateful for that. So what it is, it is a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds that people can struggle with, with foods or that they might be reacting to. So it's amines, FODMAPs, glutamates, gluten, histamines, lectins, oxalates, salicylates, sulfites, thiols, and nightshades. And I made it because a lot of people follow low or high versions of all these different diets. And it can be really frustrating and overwhelming to know what you're reacting to. Like gluten tends to be a pretty easy one, but things like, like oxalates, lectins, FODMAPs, it's really hard to keep all that information in one place. Like I'm pretty certain there is not any resource out there besides my app that has every food for all the compounds all in one place. And it can be overwhelming though, because it's not going to tell you like, this is your problem. Like you have to be the detective and experiment with foods and look for trends yourself. So, and it is my concern. And I've talked about this on some interviews where I've talked about it before, but I do get worried that people will do exactly what Shelly's doing. Like, you know, they'll think they're reacting to eggs. So they'll look at eggs and say, Oh, eggs is high in thiols. It must be thiols. And that's not my intention. It really does require looking at your overall diet, looking for trends. So it's a tool in your toolbox. What I would suggest is doing experiments. So if you suspect, maybe, maybe it is thiols. Oh, and by the way, in that there is compound info. So if you want to learn about the compounds, you could go to thiols and you could read all about them. So if you suspect, oh, maybe it's thiols, then I would suggest trying, you know, a a low thiol diet for a little bit. And like she said, you can make lists so you can, you can put different foods and you could, you know, do experiments and make notes and see how you feel. And I do think out of all the compounds, just from my perspective, what I think people do see radical changes with, if this is the issue bothering them is a lot of people have histamine overload and doing a low histamine diet can be radical for a lot of people. I interviewed Dr. Becky Campbell on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast, all about histamine. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Also the FODMAP, like I personally follow low FODMAP diet just in general. So that's really helpful for me. Yeah. So not, it's not like the best answer for you, Shelly, but I would just recommend, you know, working with your foods, seeing how you react to things. I, I do have a comment about the Everly Well. So I recently interviewed Dr. Anthony Beck. I haven't aired that episode yet, but I really respect him. And he knows a lot about testing things. And he actually advocates a very specific, cause I asked him like for testing food sensitivities, like what tests should you be using? And he advocates a very specific food sensitivity test, which I will have to find out which, which one it was specifically, but apparently most food sensitivity tests just test your immediate IgM reaction. So is your immune system reacting to that food? But there's another test you can do that actually tests the secondary effect of that IgM reaction. So it tells you, okay, I'm having an IgM reaction, but is that actually a problem? Because apparently we can have IgM reactions and it's not a problem. What matters is how it's affecting things downstream. So I really want to get that test done for myself. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. It has something to do with like the, I don't know, lymph system, but I'm not sure about that. So I'll have to figure out what that test was and put a link to it in the show notes because I really want to get that done. But yeah, as far as Shelly says, she's excited to, you know, how to feel better. And I do believe very, very deeply that finding the foods that work for you is so, so huge for feeling well, also playing a role in weight loss. You could be eating calories that would typically lead to weight loss, but if those foods are inflammatory for you, it can be a huge hurdle. You know, you can be storing water weight, when your body's in an inflamed state, it is less likely to burn fat. Inflammatory cytokines create more fat storage throughout your body from the inflammation response. So I, I do think that really like looking at your foods and finding the ones that work for you can be huge. And that's 
why I created this app. And if anybody would like to get it, it is at melanieavalon.com slash food sense guide. It is only on iOS iPhones right now because Cal, he's an Apple developer, but I do have plans to release it on Android in the future. But yeah. So Shelly, if you find something that works for you, definitely let us know. Do you have thoughts, Jen? Just, you know, to echo what you just said about when things are inflammatory for you, that you'll feel so much better when you eliminate them. You know what I have recently eliminated that I'm still sad about? Alcohol. Yeah. But man, I feel so much better, (laughs) you know, after realizing it wasn't working for my body. And like I said, I'm not going to say I'll never drink alcohol again. That's not realistic for me. Although, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll one day, it'll be 20 years from now, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I never did drink it again. Who knows? But I'm not there yet. However, it's been, gosh, I guess, I, don't, I can't even think of the last time. Maybe It's been over a month since I've had alcohol. But I lost, like, a puffiness that was around my eyes. Looking back at pictures from a year ago, because really, you know, I switched to Dry Farm Wines, and I was drinking every day, you know, because it's, it's clean wine, right? So I was pretty much having wine every day, and... <sighs> <laughs> anyway, it made a huge difference when I identified that was not working well for me. So if it's thiols or salicylates or whatever it is, taking that out. I was just looking it up. So red wine, because the app does have all alcohol pretty much. Red wine is high in amines, histamines, salicylates, and sulfites. What about white wine? I, I do feel like it's the alcohol versus the wine itself, but... Beer is high in like almost everything. Because <laughs> it, you know, it didn't matter to me what, what I drank. I still always felt bad the next day. So less bad with Dry Farm. I mean, that is 100% true. You know, it has less alcohol than other wines. So, but less bad is still not fabulous. <laughs> this is true. Hi, everybody. I want to take a minute to tell you about one of today's sponsors, Audible. Here at the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, we love Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more. And now, Audible is giving members even more with the all-new Plus Catalog. All members have access to the growing Plus Catalog with thousands of select audiobooks, podcasts, Audible Originals, guided fitness and meditation programs, sleep tracks for better rest, and more, all included with membership. Audible members get one credit every month, good for any title in the entire premium selection of bestsellers and new releases, regardless of price, to keep forever. They also have full access to the Plus Catalog and can listen all they want to thousands of included titles. There's a listen for every moment and every mood and so much to discover. With everything all in one place, Audible can truly become your playlist for life. I just went on a road trip and Audible kept me company all the way to the beach and back. With an Audible membership, you can download titles and listen offline, anytime, anywhere. The Audible app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across devices without losing your spot. Audible members don't have to worry about using their credits right away. You can keep your credits for up to a year and use them to binge on a whole series if you like. And if you're not loving your selection, you can simply swap it for another. Start exploring today. Visit audible.com slash ifpodcast or text ifpodcast to 500-500. That's audible.com slash ifpodcast. And now back to the show. All right. So now we have a question from Becky. The subject is fasting window time. Becky says, hello, Jen and Melanie. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and I've been fasting for about a year and a half. I only started clean fasting in May after listening to you both talk about the importance. 
I have combined it with very strict, clean keto. I track everything and follow my macros to a T. I've been following this way of life for almost 200 days straight with no cheats. Yay. I have lost over 60 pounds and I absolutely feel fabulous. A little backstory. I'm a highly emotional binge eater. I will literally eat everything around me, regardless of how full and sick to my stomach I feel. I'm a sugar addict and I find that keto is the best for me because I have absolutely no control when I eat sugar. Fasting is another tool that really helps me because once I start to eat, I tend to want to snack and eat all day. I'm working hard to break these habits and I've seen a lot of success. I can easily fast 18 to 22 hours every day. I like eating one big meal and I like eating all of my macros at once. Here is my problem. When I close my window at about 5.30 p.m., I struggle to fast when lunchtime hits. I'm a mom of four and I have to make lunches for them. I become very irritable and all I can think about is eating. If I eat a big lunch and skip dinner instead, I can easily fast the 18 to 22 hours, no problem. I get that maybe my body does better with an earlier eating window. But... I would really prefer to eat dinner with my kids and my husband. Is there any tips you can give me to get through the lunchtime torture? I already tried tapping through my urges. And for listeners, that's tapping like, what does it stand for? Emotional freedom technique. Go to melanieavalon.com slash tapping if you want to learn more about it. She says, I remind myself that these thoughts will pass, that my hunger is not an emergency, but I usually end up giving in. Is my body trying to tell me it runs better on an earlier eating window? I'm hoping you ladies have some great ideas for making my fasting window work better for me and my family. Thank you both so much for taking the time to not only answer my question, but also for all the work you do for the podcast. I really can't tell you how much you both have influenced my life. Thanks again, Becky. Well, thank you so much, Becky. This is a tricky one because go back to what you said that you become irritable at lunchtime and all you can think about is eating. So it's just one of those things you have to like weigh out, you know, you make a list, pros and cons, because we can't tell you which of these to do. I can't say, I think you should just eat lunch, or I think you should just push through and eat dinner. I I can't tell you either of those answers. I know that it would be nice if I could. Maybe Melanie is going to have a great answer about which to do. But, you know, I thought and thought about this. You know, for me, when I find myself early in the day, you know, when I was struggling to, you know, make intermittent fasting a lifestyle, I would too become irritable because I was trapped in the can't mindset. I can't eat right now. And I shifted my mindset thinking instead was like, no, I'm choosing not to eat right now. It's not that I can't eat. I could, but I'm going to wait until later because for me, I feel better when I eat later. You know, I got tired when I ate earlier, but for you, it sounds almost like you feel better when you eat earlier. It's hard hard to tell completely, but you know, if your body is doing better with that earlier eating window, if if you're irritable because it's the thought that you can't eat, and if you're you can't shift that mindset to, okay, I'm just going to fast and I'm going to eat with my family, then maybe you should eat earlier. So, I want you to make some lists like pros and cons. Like why would I want to eat in the middle of the day? Why would I I choose to eat lunch as my big meal? What are the cons to that? And, you know, vice versa. Why would I want to eat dinner? And what are the cons with that? And I find that when I start writing things down, the answer becomes obvious to me for myself. You know, like I'm struggling with what to do, what to do, but writing it all out makes it clear. So that's what I would suggest that you do. You know, I I don't want you to, to feel like, you're giving in or that, you know, you're fighting against urges. That's what you've got. You got to somehow shift the thinking away from I'm fighting this as a battle and and shift that mindset. Like, you know what? I've realized that it is very important to me to eat with my family and it is not torture that I'm not eating lunch. I feel great when I don't eat lunch. I'm going to be fine. And it's, it's, is it an emotional feeling that you need to eat? Or is it you're really hungry and that's when your body needs to eat? So make your decisions based on, you know, what you write down, the answers to those questions, what you really feel like your body is telling you and not just your emotions. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah, I really like that idea about the list a lot. I really like what you said about, because it is hard to tell from what she said, if 
wanting to eat is emotional or physical? Like, is it irritable just because you want to be eating it? Or, I mean, she says all she can think about is eating, which makes it sound like it is more physical. Like she actually feels, well, it's confusing because it sounds like that, but then she also says that it's pretty effortless or easy to fast long and she feels fabulous. So if it is a mental thing and not so much an actual hunger thing, I would actually really recommend checking out Dr. Glenn Livingston's work. That might be something that works for you. He has the never binge again approach. It's not just for binging. It's for anything where you're trying to deal with that voice in your head that is upset about what it wants to be doing. He calls it the pig that wants to be eating. I call it my inner toddler who wants it now. My inner toddler wants it now. And, and it's like, but I, I want it now. I want to eat this leftover Thanksgiving meal now. Yeah, I don't want to wait, you know. I like that toddler. If it is that, where it's literally just the toddler or the pig, and it's not anything about actual needing the food, then that could be an approach that might really work for you. And I've done two episodes with him. The first episode, I think, is MelanieAvalon.com slash again. And then I did a Q&A episode with him. And I actually re- released that last week. And it's that was really popular too. So that's MelanieAvalon.com slash triggers. So that's an approach you could try. But it does sound like what Jen said and what she's saying that the earlier window does work better for her. So if it turns out that physically, health-wise, peace with food, that everything is better with the earlier window, I'm wondering, so can she like, if she does lunch and closes it, is it unpleasant to sit at dinner without eating? Well, she said if she skips dinner, she can easily fast, no problem. So really, it might be a matter of feeling like she should eat dinner with her kids and her husband. And that that's like that whole like, well, I really should be eating with them because that's, you know, quote, the right thing to do. I need to eat with my family. Instead, you could just be with your family. Being with people. You know, I've gone to family events where the... You know, I could think of a big family party that I went to a few years ago when my niece, I think she turned 21, and it was lunchtime. And I went, and it was like, I don't know, an outdoor kind of event kind of place. And I looked at the food, and it was not something I really wanted to eat. And I would have opened my window if it had been something. I think it was barbecue, and I'm real picky about barbecue. And it looked fine, but I didn't want to eat the barbecue. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to visit with everybody instead. And it wasn't weird, and it was okay. I didn't force myself to eat food at a time I didn't want to eat it. Food I didn't want to eat at a time I didn't want to eat it, really. So maybe make that mindset shift. They want to be with you at dinner time, but you can have a mug of some kind of clean, fast approved beverage that you like, and you could sit there with them and be with your family. And I understand because it can be hard if you feel like if it's like awkward or you feel like the, the odd one out or that you're not partaking. Goodness knows, I think it took probably 10 years for my family to finally accept my my craziness when it comes to, you know, whether or not I'm eating at certain get-togethers. I wish there was like a really easy answer for this. I will always eat at a gathering if it's window worthy. <laughs> and I'll have a longer window too. I don't mind having two meals in a day if the food is really window worthy and I want to eat it. I have no problem with, with that. But I am cheesy. I'm not going to open it just because everybody's eating or it's like expected. We're all going to eat right now. Like I wonder if she can do dinner with her family, not eat, you know, drink water or whatever. And if everybody is like completely accepting and normal or like if that's like if that works for everybody, that would be my suggestion. I just don't know if it feels strange. I don't know how old our kids are either. I think modeling a healthy relationship with food is the most important thing. So when you do eat, let them see you eat and model that you're not stressed about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. You know, because all those diets that I did over the years, I'm sure that modeled a lot more craziness than intermittent fasting when people see me eat you know, the foods that I love with gusto. This made me think of one other thing. Can I can I share it? No, I'm sorry. You are not allowed to share anything else. 
I feel bad going on tangents, but it's, it's good advice. One of the other things, because Dr. Goldhammer, who I interviewed yesterday, he also wrote a book called The Pleasure Trap. And there's a chapter in it because he obviously talks a lot about fasting in the book or following really intense diets. And um, there's a section on dealing with social pressures. And I know it doesn't quite relate because this is not social pressure from her family, but just for those who are struggling with social pressures, he points out that the root of pressure that we get from people to break our diet or not follow our diet or whatever we're doing really has two main roots. It's either a lack of knowledge on their part, like not understanding the reasons for the diet or the fasting, or it's embarrassment from the other person because people often become really self-conscious about their own choices. If It becomes a mirror to other people about their own choices. But the thing I really liked, the nice tool takeaway was for the, the first option where people just don't have a knowledge surrounding it. They call it the seams approach. And they said, rather than saying like really confidently, and you should be confident, but rather than being like super like, oh, I'm doing this because this is the way it needs to be. And this is like healthy and this is going to change my life and blah, 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 blah. Just make everything less committal and make it about, it seems. So like, it seems to me that this, you know, might help me, or it seems that I'm feeling better, or it seems that can come off as a lot less abrasive to people and a lot less scary. I liked that. Yeah. Frame it around your, like how it works for you. And how, yeah, how it seems to be working. But yeah, Becky, let us know what you settle on. Could you do like both? Like, could you do, you know, the lunch some days and then some days you have the family dinner? Yep. And also, if you're fasting 18 hours, you know, that gives you six hours for an eating window. So you could really just have a smaller lunch and a smaller dinner. I thought about that, but she said she likes eating one big meal and eating everything at once. Well, that's just, just, it's, you know, none of them seem to be perfect. Like she likes to eat lunch and she likes to eat dinner and she likes to eat one meal. And so you might have to, con- something's going to have to give. There's no way to do all those things. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could do like a 80% lunch and then like nibbling at dinner. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Kind of like make your dinner the dessert and you just like kind of nibble on <laughs> something small. Yeah. Really good idea. Substantial lunch, a little bit with the family. Yeah. That's kind of like what they say. And I don't like saying it because it kind of crystallizes a approach that I don't think is necessarily needs to be crystallized. But the breakfast like a king, lunch like a, what is it? Breakfast like a king, lunch like a something, dinner like a pauper. I don't know what the middle is. Maybe you could do a lunch like a king, dinner like a pauper approach. Hi, everybody. I want to take a minute to tell you about one of our sponsors for this episode, Bioptimizers. According to the American Psychological Association, chronic stress is linked to the six leading causes of death. Stress has been implicated in heart issues, inflammation, obesity, mental illness, and more. Most people think of stress as caused by things like work, traffic, tense relationships, and they focus on solutions like meditation, going to the spa, and so on. But what if the root of much of the stress we experience comes down to deficiency of one overlooked nutrient? That nutrient is magnesium. Magnesium is the body's master mineral, and it powers over 300 critical reactions, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, stress, even digestion. All are influenced by the presence of magnesium. If there's one mineral you should be worried about not getting enough of, it's magnesium. That's why we're so excited to tell you about our favorite magnesium product called Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the ultimate magnesium supplement with all seven forms of this mineral. We have a great deal, especially for our audience. With volume discounts combined with our custom 10% coupon code, IFPODCAST10, you can save up to 40% off select packages of Magnesium Breakthrough. That's an amazing value. And that deal is only available when you go to bioptimizers.com slash ifpodcast. You won't find that deal on Amazon or even the company's own website. 
Say goodbye to having to buy seven different bottles of magnesiums to get the complete dose and say hello to Magnesium Breakthrough. Go to bioptimizers.com slash ifpodcast and use coupon code ifpodcast10 to save up to 40% off select packages to get the most full-spectrum and effective magnesium product ever. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash ifpodcast. And don't forget to use the code ifpodcast10. And now, back to the show. All right, now we have a question from Amanda. The subject is Maca or Maca Root and Katie's question, episode 187. Hi, Jen and Melanie. Love the podcasts. You two are a huge part of my life as I spend hours a week with you. Yay. That was just me. (laughs) I wanted to respond to Katie's question, second try has been brutal, from this week's podcast, number 187. Katie said she started adding Maca Root to her protein shakes. I was having similar problems getting IF to work as well as it had been. I believe underlying stress is the root cause. Unfortunately, I do not have answers. However, I do know what was not an answer for me, maca root. I experimented with maca root to help balance hormones, hoping for relief. This is when things got worse. I felt heavier and got heavier. Research led me to find articles and YouTube videos of people who want to gain weight using maca to achieve this. I had no idea weight gain could be a side effect. I was taking maca powder. Perhaps side effects vary based on dose type, whether taken topically or orally. Sometimes what works for one person can have the opposite effect on another. Hormones are so complicated. Have you heard of this side effect? Are there other solutions like this which may be detrimental to some? Thanks for all you do, Amanda. And again, if I said it wrong, it's maca or maca or whichever. Yeah. (laughs) So I loved this question from Amanda, not so much to like go on a whole tangent about, I say maca, (laughs) about maca, but more because I, I think she highlighted something that really, really is huge for a lot of people. And I think it, it's something to think about more. And that's exactly what she said is that a lot of these supplements, a lot of these foods, a lot of these things, especially things that have hormonal effects, it's often easy to think, oh, it does this one thing for everybody and that's what it's going to do and that's why I should take it. When really it can be, I mean, so many things can have different effects on so many people. And she found a good example apparently of maca where, you know, some people are taking it for their stress and to help their workouts and, you know, maybe lose weight from that. But then some people are taking it to gain weight. So I don't actually have a lot of thoughts on maca. I don't take it myself, but I think it's really important for listeners to be aware that if they are taking something that's, you know, typically something like a supplement, that's not a straight up food to definitely do your research and definitely see how it's making you feel. And if it's not providing the, the, the effects that you're looking for, definitely be open to not, you know, not taking it anymore. This is one Dr. Quebecca really likes, right? Yeah. Dr. Quebecca really likes maca and a lot of people, and I don't want to scare people away from maca because a lot of people do do well with it. I know like one of the tribes well-known for using it, I think they call it, I, I don't, I'm, I think Dr. Quebecca talks about this. They have some really fancy name for it. It means like wonder or something like it, they use it for like vitality and energy. And it's like the bee's knees. If that phrase is still used today. Well, you know, we're all so different with our bodies and the foods and the the supplements that work for us. It's like, I think I told this story on the podcast maybe two years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. But a friend of mine was taking this supplement that she said, I started taking blah, 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 whatever it was. And it was so fabulous. It made me feel so much better. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take that too. So I started taking it just because she said she was taking it. I remember that. What was it? I can't remember what it was, but she had some kind of one of those genetic things that it's for. (laughs) If you've got this, whatever. I remember that. Yeah. I started to feel so terrible. I started to feel anxious. And so then I was like, could it be the supplement? And I looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. It was the supplement. She was taking it for this, you know, genetic whatever that that she's got that I don't have. And it made me feel terrible. It was the wrong thing for me. So that taught me a very huge lesson. And so at that point, I was like, never take something just because someone, you know, said it is great for them. 
figure out why they're taking it. What What's the purpose? Do you have that same need for it? Is it going to do the same thing for you? And trust how you feel. 100%. Shall we go to our next question? Yes. All right. So the next question, it comes from Katie. The subject is sleep, paleo, and a plateau. Oh my. Katie says, hello, Jen and Melanie. Thank you so much for your podcast. I have both of your books, although it took me a while to get what, when, wine, as I am a recovering alcoholic and I didn't think it would apply to me. However, I recently switched to paleo and it clicked. I needed Melanie's book. I'll try to keep it short, but also want to give you the full picture so you can answer my question armed with all of the facts. I began IF in June, 2020, following my mom's lead. She started in May. I have over a decade long history of chronic restrictive dieting. So when I began IF, I allowed myself hashtag all the things I had restricted for years. I'm a 35 year old mother of two boys, six and nine. She says, Jen, help. (laughs) Oh yeah. They're just starting the smelly years. (laughs) Oh my I am 4'11", and my starting weight was 151 pounds. The first 20 pounds came off easily, all the while eating everything I wanted to in my window. I started 16'8", and I am now at about 24. I have hit the dreaded plateau. The scale has not moved in months. I decided to clean up my diet, but I refuse to count calories because of my obsessive dieting history. I tried keto. My mom has lost 50 pounds doing IF and keto. Not for me. Two weeks ago, I decided to attempt paleo, bought Melanie's book, and was ready to dive in. I have not been perfect, and the scale has moved slightly, but I am hovering just above 130 pounds, which I have been at for four months, and I want desperately to be in the 120s. My ultimate goal is around 110 pounds. So my question is, is there any further tweaking I can do to reach my goal? I know, I know, alternate day fasting... Sigh. I take medication every day, which needs to be taken with food. And honestly, ADF scares me. I don't think I can stop at just 500 calories because once I start eating, I don't want to stop. I have a red light device, wearable weights, buy optimizers, products, and blue blocks. My credit card does not thank you, LOL. I take progesterone as I experience horrible menstrual symptoms, nausea, lower abdominal pain, and migraines many days of the month. I have interstitial cystitis and ASPD, advanced sleep phase disorder. So my sleep schedule is whack. I go to bed early 6 p.m. and rise early 2 or 3 a.m. and wake several times during the night to go to the restroom. I'm overheated or if my kids took over my bed. Does she get up and stay up after 3 a.m.? Like she goes to bed at 6. Wow, that's... That is so interesting. She says, is this just a classic case of my body has reached its new set point and the best I can hope for is body recomposition through fasting and weight training? Oh yeah, I forgot to mention I work out four to five days a week, alternating between cardio days and lifting days. I think I've been listening to you gals long enough to know what you might say, but I wanted to pick your brain anyways. Maybe there's something else I'm not thinking of. Could it be stress? My sleep schedule? I've adjusted my eating window to around noon to four since I go to bed so early? Do I just need to give this paleo way of life more time and trust the process? Plus, I wanted to tell you how amazing and beautiful I think you both are. So nice. She says, and thank you so much for all of your hard work and dedication. I was a member of both of your Facebook groups until I decided to deactivate my account due to a lot of negativity surrounding current events. It was messing with my vibe. Thank you so much, Katie. All right. Well, thank you, Katie. And you're really still very new to intermittent fasting since you started in June. So I think the fact that you have a history of chronic restrictive dieting is very important. And so if you've been doing chronic restrictive dieting for for years prior to starting intermittent fasting, it's going to take your body longer to trust you. So, you know, the first 20 pounds came off easily and now you are feeling stuck. So you did just, you know, switch up what you're eating two weeks ago, and then you said towards the end there, do you need to give this way of life more time and trust the process, the paleo way of life? I will say yes to that. <laughs> you know, you've only been changing what you're eating for two weeks, so you definitely need to give that some more time. And so I would I would be patient with that. I hear you on not wanting to do alternate daily fasting because the idea of it sounds scary. You know, you said you don't think you can stop at just 500 calories. Here's something that's interesting. A lot of people say that, and then they try it, and then they realize, oh, 
If I choose strategically for my down day meal, it really can be a filling amount of food. It's just a matter of choosing food that's really going to fill you up and make you feel satisfied from it. You know, if I ate five 100-calorie snack packs of something, I'd be ravenous. And of course, you're not going to do that because you're eating paleo, <laughs> but you get my point. 500 calories can be nothing that substantial, or it can be a really, really filling and satisfying meal. So if your normal window has been between noon and four, I bet if you ate something paleo, a large 500 calorie paleo substantial something at four, then you would be satisfied and you would want to stop because you'd be full. And then the next day would be an up day. And see, that's where the key is going to be. I think you might need some metabolic boosting, which is why I think ADF would be so good for you because of that that chronic restrictive dieting that you've done for so long. It's going to take time for your body to really start to trust you again. So that's what I would I would recommend. Don't be afraid of that 500-calorie meal. And, and the key is just to find something that's going to satisfy you and make you feel like you've had a big meal because you really can eat a large volume of food for a 500-calorie down-day meal. What do you think, Melanie? The biggest thing I saw reading this was reevaluating the seeming plateau because she says the weight hasn't moved in months but then she says she started paleo and not even like 100% paleo and the scale moved in two weeks. So that sounds to me like you were at a plateau, you started doing paleo, not even like complete paleo and the scale started moving again. So to me, I echo what Jen said. And the, this was the main thing I was going to say was 100% give the paleo approach longer because it sounds like it actually is doing something. doesn't sound to me like it's Maybe she needs a shape of scale. Because, <laughs> you know, really, I can't express highly enough how important it is to have a way of knowing what your overall trend is doing. You know, are you weighing daily and then calculating your weekly average? You can do that yourself, or you could go buy a shape of color, or you can use the Happy Scale app that does that for you as well if you need to see the number. But all of those things can really help you see your overall trend. Because I know my weight fluctuated a lot, and it wasn't until I started using the trend method of, of weekly averaging that I finally was able to, to feel confident that I was making progress. Of course, this was way back in 2014, but it, it saved my sanity. And it was the only time I didn't quit when I started focusing on the trend. It was the only time in my life that I didn't quit something. Yeah, I am really, I'm really liking the shape of scale. The calibration period is the annoying part. I get it. But in order to really have the good statistical, you've got to go through that. So I like how it gives you like a message, <laughs> you know, about how you're doing. You feel like it likes you. I know. You feel like it's on your side. You know, like normally the scale feels like, <sighs> but it's like this scale is on my side. So, and one other thing about the paleo though, it's hard to know like what that looks like, you know, like, so it's like, are you, you know, pretty much doing, I'm assuming listeners are very familiar with paleo, but if you're not, it's basically eliminating. And the way I talk about it in my book, what, when wine, which I really recommend listeners get, if they are at all interested in trying the paleo whole foods approach, it's basically eliminating grains processed foods. I have it by like, yes, no, and maybe. So like usually eliminating most legumes, dairy, things like that. But there, there are kind of like layers and you can like find what works for you. But I would recommend for Katie, if you can commit 100% to the paleo and sticking it out, that could be huge. Cause I don't know. So like with being, you know, not doing it completely, I don't know what that other stuff that you're having in is. So it's really hard to, to speak to that. When all else fails, going the whole foods route, I think is, and not the store, but <laughs> I'd be in out of luck if that was, I had to go to the store <laughs> since we don't have one. Although I do go to whole foods every day. Oh, that's right. I get so sad every time you say that. The foods that are whole route. Actually, something else Dr. Goldhammer said yesterday, which I've been thinking a lot, it's like haunting me. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is true. He actually thinks it is impossible to be obese if you eat a completely whole foods, plant-based diet, which I thought was really interesting. Whole foods, plant-based? Yeah. So like only 
whole plants. That's interesting. Now I don't know. I'm trying to think about that. It's really hard to do though for me, like nothing but plants. Me too. And I, I, I don't, I don't advocate it. I, and I, I talked to him about this on the show. I do think there's massive role and benefit for a lot of people, animal protein. I just get so hungry, like so hungry. <laughs> I, I will say though, because <laughs> basically, I, I mean, I try to not be on Facebook all the time, especially since I do a lot in my own group, but the, the groups that I flirt between are polar opposites. They're basically like the low carb keto carnivore groups. And then they're like the fruititarian 80, 10, 10 groups, just because I'm so fascinated that people thrive on these, you know, shockingly different approaches. And I will see a, a lot of people in the, in the fruititarian 80, 10, 10 plant, whole foods, plant-based will say that the lowest weights they are is when they're doing that. And they're, and they're basically, it's like, they can't eat enough to the fruititarian, mm-hmm. especially fruititarian. People will say that it's like, they can't eat enough to actually maintain the weight. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying do fruitarian, but I'm saying there's definitely something to eating completely whole foods. The skinniest I ever was, I was not eating whole foods. I've talked about this before, but when I was eating really, really low fat, I looked really terrible. <laughs> I was eating junk. Oh, sigh. No, that's not recommended. Now we know better. She said keto didn't work for her. She just want to count calories. Yeah. Especially if you don't want to count calories, the whole foods paleo approach. So Encourage you to stick it out, get a shape of scale, and then tweak things from there. I will say I have a hack, I think, for keto that people don't talk about. I don't really ever see people talking about it. All right. I've got a guess of what it might be, but I'm not going to say my guess, but go ahead and say it. Let me see if it's what. No, no. I'll tell you if that was what my guess was. Okay. If you find that keto does work for you, but you're not losing the weight, if you make the entirety, as much as you can, the entirety of the fats be MCT C8 oil. Just give that a try. So basically like instead of fatty meats and butter and nuts and all that, lean meats, green vegetables, and have the fat be MCT oil C8 only. I, I think it can actually make a lot of people lose a lot of weight. It's all the effects of keto, but the C8 MCT is like the least likely. I mean, you're just, it's very unlikely you're going to store it as fat. It just, it doesn't really get stored as fat. So it just massively boosts your metabolism, keeps you in ketosis and the weight often can drop off. A lot of people will think they're doing this with coconut oil only, but coconut oil actually has a lot of um, saturated fat in it. It's not just the medium chain triglycerides. So you and you could do just like normal MCT oil, which is usually C8, C10. But if you do just C8, and I'll put a link in the show notes, they, they make this. This isn't like hard to get. It's on Amazon. <laughs> That's my hack. Was that what you were thinking? I knew it was going to be something about tweaking your fat. Yeah. Because I think that's something that, you know, like for me, I know I tried keto and I my macros were perfect. It didn't work for me. But I, I think a lot of it, if I'd eaten, like you said, with the different fat, I ate a lot of dairy fat. I think I went through a phase where I was doing what I just said. And I, I think, I mean, I wasn't counting calories, but is that when you were like dipping your chicken in the, yeah, the MCT oil? I love the way it tastes. Ugh. <laughs> well, it basically, it actually creates like an umami effect. So it like, it really just accentuates the flavor of whatever you are eating. After that bad experience I had with MCT oil, I will never buy it again. Which one did you take? Well, I guess it was, I don't remember, but it was, oh, no, I'll never get, I'm not getting it. (laughs) If you do get it, listeners, I have done my vetting, like get the one that I list. It's in glass only. Yeah, get that one. But I probably in the period where I was doing that really intensely, I mean, I was probably eating four or 5,000 calories a day and I am losing weight. I've told you my story before with my NCT oil shots. Oh, yeah. It was my anniversary. It was my anniversary of 2015. Yes, it was my anniversary. Your marriage anniversary or your fasting anniversary? My marriage anniversary is my anniversary with with my husband. So (laughs) I had read this book. I I was still in those wacky groups that were all doing crazy diet things. And someone had read the Shangri-La diet. And we were all talking about the Shangri-La diet and how... I remember that. Yeah. You remember that diet? And you were supposed to chug olive oil but not taste it. That was the whole theory of that one. So I was like, well, I'm going to chug MCT oil instead. It was supposed to reset your appetite and make you not hungry or I can't, or something about the way your body anyway. I can't remember. It, it has a very interesting premise. That was just a theory. But 
I was like, I'm going to chug this MCT oil. So I took a shot and then we were going to go out to dinner with my, I was going with my husband. So you were supposed to take it, the, the oil away from food. So I chugged the MCT oil and oh my God, <laughs> can you just say digestive upset? Is that, it went straight through me. Well, at home, before I went to the restaurant, I mean, I, it wasn't anything embarrassing in public. I didn't have an accident, but I felt like I might, was about to. And I, it was so painful. My stomach hurt so bad. We went to this great Italian restaurant, and I was like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> so I was I'm a little. <laughs> yeah, listeners, definitely proceed with caution because that's a very common response. I was actually talking with James Clement, who wrote the book, The Switch, who I've had on the show. And we were talking about it and about the response that people have, because you can also get, we were trying to figure out the mechanism of action behind it because he was trying it and it made him nauseous. And we were trying to think like, why is that? Is it like the liver processing it? Is it like its effect on bacteria populations, like endotoxin? I don't know. It can definitely go, so go slow. Well, it's like my body rejected it and wanted it out. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> So, <laughs> so do proceed with caution if you try this crazy hack. However, if you're having trouble with constipation, it might be a solution. I don't. It is good for that. It is good for that. Anyhow, I can laugh about it now, but it really, it was painful. My stomach hurt so badly. It was not something I'll ever forget. Good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. A few things for listeners before we go. You can submit your own questions to the podcast. Just go to questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can follow us on Instagram. Jen, I'm doing Instagram all the time now. Are you? No. Oh, people are commenting. They're like listening to you talk about Instagram makes this so much more funny. Like, Looking at the pictures. Here's another picture of my cat. Here's another picture of my Christmas tree. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll do it right now. I'm going to take a picture of this little Christmas tree while I'm recording the podcast. And say this is the Instagram that Melanie's forcing me to post. <laughs> Doing it right now. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to like it. Okay. I hope you'll like it. So everybody can go back to Instagram and see what Jen posted on <laughs> November 28th. <laughs> Be like, oh, that was when she was recording the podcast. It's so hard to post things on. Did I tell you? I took a picture with your book, but I haven't posted it yet. Oh. At Target. Friends do that. Go to Target and get Fast Feast Repeat and take a picture and tag Target. Right? Yes. Please do that. Target loves to see, and they call people guests. Target loves to see their guests sharing things. So please do. So yeah, follow us on Instagram. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen is Jen Stevens. And I think that is everything. Oh, I didn't even say this whole episode. The show notes are at ifpodcast.com slash episode 192. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope, not a thing. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.